It's time now for the complete story with Dick Bott, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here is Dick Bott with today's complete story. Well, here I am. Here I am. And my partner, Rich, is still not with me in the studio. But I have people in the studio with me, and you are going to want to hear their story. However, let me say that we use this song I don't know, two or three weeks ago, and it expressed kind of what I feel at my age. But a lot of our listeners also called the listener comment line, and they said they like it also. So either they themselves are old people, or they're starting to feel like it. Here it is. Now some folks are preoccupied with looking young and prim. And I can still remember when I was just like them. But time has shown it's what's inside your heart that really counts. And not how many store-bought teeth you have inside your mouth. Well, I just love old people. Yeah, I do. I just love old people. How about you? With silver traces. There's so much wisdom they can share I know of none that can compare With old people My joints may not be perfect My walking may be slow And it may take me three attempts When I get up to go But when it comes to serving God, I still have much to give. Like teaching all these younger folks how great it is to live. Well, I just love old people. Yeah, I do. I just love old people. How about you? With silver traces in their hair There's so much wisdom they can share I know of none that can compare With old people So when you're old and turning gray I hope that you hear someone say I just love You know what, folks? As you can imagine, that's the way I feel. I just love that song because I'm old. But on the other hand, I know if you like the song also, why you identify with people as they're getting old. And I'll tell you something else. The rest of you can just sit back. And if you're lucky enough, why maybe you'll get there too. Uh, anyway, on today's program, listen, folks. On today's program, 66 years ago, last June, when Shirley and I were married, there was a little boy, her nephew, I think he was maybe three years old, and he was part of the wedding party. Matter of fact, he carried the train on the, the bride's train, and uh, he was just a little kid. His name was Sherwood H. Patterson, and he's, he became my nephew. And Shirley's nephew and my nephew, I'm the uncle, and Shirley's the aunt. And, uh, well, then they grew up, Sherwood grew up, and now he's a grandpa. 
He said, Grandpa, many times. And what an interesting story with him and his wife. And they are in the studio right now. So let me welcome Sherwood H. Patterson II and then his wife, Merlin, who's right here. So anyway, Sherwood, what do you think about all that I've said? Well, thank you, Uncle Dick, and I really appreciate being here, but I don't know if I really appreciate you calling me an old people. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are. Well, I am, but I don't feel that way inside. I don't think that way in my head, but I look in the mirror and I say, who's that guy? That's exactly right. Yeah. You know, I don't feel that way inside, but it's reality. It is reality. Yeah, but I think the, the joints. <laughs> the joints cry out from time to time right. to confirm it. Well, the point is, yeah, the body gets old, but inside the little kid never dies if he's well fed. That is true. Very important to keep the little kid well fed. Until, you know what, sure, I don't want to get so serious in this program. Until the maker calls you home at the end of every long day, at the end of every long journey, there is something that God put within us where you just kind of want to go home. I'll tell you, as I get older, I look forward to heaven all the more. Really? All right, now listen, tell us your story. And Merlin, you pop in and you correct him and help him <laughs> because this is Merlin. And Merlin, I just remember you when you were a kid. You were just a little girl, and now you're a grandma. How many times? Eighteen times. Oh, man. Sherwood, you and Merlin have been missionaries, but tell us your story. Well, growing up in high school, I felt God leading me to full-time ministry. And I read a book called Jungle Pilot about Nate Saint and the uh, Aka Indians. Aka Indians. They got uh, martyred, killed yeah. on the beach of the river. And uh, all of his innovative use of aviation, I loved flying. I flew with my dad for years, and I just loved flying. I thought, what a cool idea to be able to use my flying ability. Now, you got to remember, I have an older brother, and he was always two years older than me. We worked in the same work and, and radio. And, and you know, you can never catch up with him. I can never brother. catch up with him. But we yeah. all started flying at the same time. Ah. And when we started flying, it was all recognized right away that I had a special aptitude and a gift. Because you loved it. I loved it. And, and remember the, the movie, Chariots of Fire. Oh, sure. And the guy says, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. You know, that's my favorite line in that movie because his too. sister was criticizing him yeah. for just running, running, running all the time. And she said, why don't you become a preacher? Why on earth don't you settle down and straighten up and become a preacher? And he said, listen, sis, when I run, I feel God's presence. Uh, and I forget the rest of that line, but man, alive, that's the way God made him. Exactly. And I felt that way flying. And I've flown all my life. And every time I've gone away from it and come back to it, I just feel that joy again that I'm doing something God created well, me to do. How did you then become a missionary pilot? I'm well, a missionary pilot. Now, that's just not flying around. The, flying I, around I the think patch. I have a little bit of my grandfather's nature in me that loves a new adventure, loves uh, doing something new, cutting-edge technology, and, and getting out there and doing something that's a bit risky. Yeah. And so I read the book, and it really challenged me. I started doing research on it. I learned about Letourneau University. They had a flight program. I went there. I learned about the different missionaries. When missionary. you say research on it, you mean missionary aviation? Yes. 
I read about it. I talked about it. I learned about it. Now with the Internet, it's so much easier. Back then, yeah. I had to actually read books <laughs> yeah. and magazines and talk to See, people in now person. Now the kids go to the Internet, and they don't read books. Same, yeah, same, same. That is true. But anyway, where did you meet Merlin along the way? Oh, that's a story in and of itself. Yeah. I went to Letourneau as a sophomore. Letourneau College in Texas. In Longview, Texas. And I was mentored by an instructor there named Floyd Bishop. And he challenged us young men to stop dating and wait for God to give you your wife. And I was a bit of a serial dater. I would date one woman and say, well, maybe I'm going to marry them. Nope, that's not it. And he challenged me to stop, take life seriously, and do what God had called me to do first, and that's learn and prepare to be a missionary pilot, and that God in his timing would present me with the woman that would be my wife, would lead me to her. And so I... Well, also, he said, uh, prepare a list. Begin to think about what you think a godly woman as a missionary pilot should be like. Yeah. And I said, well, he should really get along with a lot of different people in different yeah. age groups. I went to church uh, at the end of my sophomore year where Merlin and I attended in the San Francisco Bay Area. She's sitting down in front with her. I'm going to cry. I'll just warn you. <clears throat> but uh, sitting down in front with her family, she came out. And kneeled down next to this older couple that had crutches, and they couldn't get out right away. And she kneeled down and talked to them. A couple of young kids came over, tugged on her sleeve. She turned to talk to them. Walking out, she started talking to her teenage friends. And God spoke to me. How old was she? She was, uh, that time she was uh, seven. No. Oh, well. This was later. This This was later? Okay. Because the first time we met was, I was 15. Yes. So it was probably about 17. She was 17. Yeah. And God spoke to me and said, wouldn't that make a good missionary wife? Because she had a heart for people. Had a heart for people and a character that transcended age, uh, gender, race, just everything. Everything. And when it came time to get our assignment to Cameroon, Africa, they said, the main reason we chose you to go there is because of your wife's character. Really? Because of the way she gets along with people. And that was coming out of Laterno College, or you hadn't even gone to Laterno at that point? Well, I'd finished my first year there. We started dating. Yeah. I asked uh, her father if I could marry her. Yeah. And he said yes. I asked my dad, and he said no. Oh, my. And my mentor, Floyd Bishop, said, don't ever go against your parents. If you're seeking God's will, they're in charge of your future. Pray, submit, and wait. A few months later, they invited us down to Thanksgiving so they could get to know us a little bit yeah. better. And Dad came up to me sleeping in the living room on a, on a cot. He came up and sat on the edge of the bed. You still want to marry Merlin? And she was there with us for yeah. the weekend. And I says, absolutely. I know that's who God wants me to marry. And he said, well, we've been watching you. You become a man of your word. Yeah. We see you following God. We'll give you our blessing. Oh, man. And we got engaged Thanksgiving, and we got married the next year. Isn't that nice? Isn't that? Hey, folks, now listen, you have young people in your home. You have grandchildren that are, that are teenagers or maybe even 12 or 14 or whatever. But this is God's way according to his word, the Bible. What, he who finds a good wife finds a good thing. That's that right. find are two different words in the Hebrew. In English, we don't have that distinction in, in actual words. And he who discovers while going through life that God gives them a good wife discovers that they have a good thing. Yeah. And that is, I taught that 
to my sons, okay. and our son Sherwood is here with Sarah, okay. and he's met the exact same That's right. now, promises, now, now, kept Merlin, the same Merlin, promises. what do you think when Sherwood said, I want to be a jungle pilot? I mean, my word. You talk about, did that scare you to death? Absolutely not, because the Lord had already been preparing my heart to be a missionary before I even knew him. So it was just an added blessing that we are together because I, I wanted to be a missionary. He wanted to be a missionary. And let God, let God bring you together in his time. Exactly. In his time, folks, it is God's plan in his time that two should become one. And then both do more together than either could separately. And that's certainly been your story. That's true. That is really true. So let me just ask you a question. Because I remember when you were there in Cameroon, Africa, of all places, and you're busy flying for JARS. Explain what JARS is. JARS is the uh, aviation division of Wycliffe Bible Translators. It was started because of the need of supporting the translators that live in the small villages, poor transportation, poor supply lines, and so the airplanes were brought in to land on very rough, unimproved airstrips to bring supplies and people back and forth to these uh, villages where the missionaries translated the Bible. And, and Merlin, I remember the first time I heard from your heart how it was when you were the missionary's wife, the jungle pilot's wife there in Africa, and when your first child was about to be born, you had to... I don't know, was Sherwood gone on one of his journeys or something, and you had to walk quite a ways. And the thing I remember is you didn't tell that story as a woe is me. You didn't tell the story of let me tell you how tough it was or hard it was or what I had to sacrifice. I saw a smile on your face, what it took to do what you were doing with a, with a positive attitude. Tell us about that. <laughs> well, the, let, me, let me step in. The story's a little mixed up over time. We had to fly to the mission hospital for the baby to be born, and we walked back to the house. But she did walk. So I did. I, after after our, our son, our first son, Sherwood the third, was born, um, we brought Tracy in to see her new brother. And then four hours after he was born, we walked back to the house. That was about three quarters of a mile. Three quarters yeah. of a mile. <laughs> but <laughs> but there was a lot of, of the uh, native uh, local women local women that came in to see this baby because he was a white baby, and it was very interesting to them yeah. to see a white child. Tell me this. Did all of that, in addition to how you were raised, uh, impress upon you? That is one race and one blood and one human family. Oh, absolutely. Um, I remember with KSAN in San Francisco, yeah. our grandpa, my grandfather and my dad, the radio station there, yeah. as a little six-year-old coming yeah. in, and it was a black programmed radio station. Yes. And I sat on the lap of Rock and Lucky and Junkman oh, George is that right? and watched them play records and talk on the is radio. That right? This little white hair white haired yeah, blonde toe yeah, headed kid yeah. on these and they were no different. And I loved Africa. I loved the people yeah. and it's you know, really as, a joy. As I look at you across the council from me now you don't have any hair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, yeah, you caught me. I am getting old. 
right, well then how did God take you the next step? Because the whole idea was using your skill for the glory of God. How can he use you in the next step that you did not even see coming? Well, you know, it's interesting. I can't get into the detail, but let's just put it this way. Uh, After a few years on the mission field, doing what I absolutely loved, God closed the door rather abruptly, and I found myself at home thinking, was this the end of my ministry? I thought, well, we'll go back to school. I ended up getting a service master business, janitorial services, working at night, planning to go back to school. And all of a sudden, I realized I have a manager that works for me that I'm discipling. I have a couple of young men who had very poor father figures that I'm mentoring, and I'm working in church, and I'm working in Bible studies, and I'm going, I have more ministry now in business than I did as a mission pilot, as far as one-on-one with people. I had a great career. I had a fun thing to do. That led on into Christian radio for 10 years uh, with my parents and my sister. And But then God closed that door, and each time he brings me back to flying. And I want to tell you a quick story. I was flying. I'm a first officer. I'm a co-pilot. I get in with a a female pilot that I don't even know who she is because I've never met her before, but I'd just done an interview with an airline. I didn't take that job, but I get in with her and I say, I just had an interview with this airline. We'd just taken off. We're flying out of Dallas towards West Texas. She breaks down crying and sobbing. And she is the pilot. She's the captain. And I take over the airplane. She regains her composure in about 10 minutes and shares with me that her husband, who works for that other airline, just told her that that he wanted a divorce. He was having an affair with another woman, a flight attendant at that other airline. Yeah. And... She knew I was a Christian, and she sought my advice. And she said, what do I do? We're Christians. We go to this church, and, and yet this is what he's doing. And for four hours while we were flying, I was able to counsel her God's word, what the Bible says, how should she react as a woman. Yeah. Never saw her again. She went on to a career with another airline. Yeah. But a couple years later, I'm talking to a chief pilot who's also a graduate of Laterno, and we're talking about different people we know and the ministry impacts and the conversations we've had. And I said, what happened to this woman? He says, Sherwood, she followed biblical advice. She stood up and became the biblical woman that she should be. The husband was convicted, confessed. They went to counseling. They restored their marriage. He left that job, yeah. took a different job, and they, they went on to restore and, their marriage God before God. God used you to be part of that process. Now listen, God used you where you were at that moment yes. to be a worker for him. One of the books I read when I was in high school preparing for missionary aviation was Jim Elliott's biography written by his wife, Elizabeth Elliot, I believe, Through Greats of Splendor. And one of his challenges was, one of his pet phrases was, bloom where you're planted. And over the years, whether I'm flying an airplane, running a radio station, uh, working uh, 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 with a janitorial business, each case, God puts me in contact with people. And you let your light shine, you speak forth your truth and the scripture, and God brings fruit from hey, his word. Hey, listen, folks, uh, do you understand why I like this kid, <laughs> this grandpa of 18 grandchildren? But to me, he's still a kid because he was in our wedding when he was three years old. Now listen to this song right now. If I can help somebody as I go. 
If I can cheer a stranger with a word or a song, if I can show some traveler that he's going wrong, then my living shall not be in vain. Then my living shall not be in vain. Then my living shall not be in vain. If I can help somebody as I go along, then my living shall not be in vain. Then my living shall not be in vain. You know, you know, Sherwood and Merlin, I don't care whether a listener right now is a teenager or if they're in their 20s or 30s or 40s. Um, each one of us only have so much time on this earth, and God created us for a purpose. And the purpose is never self. The purpose is never me. It is to share and to be a witness and to serve the Lord wherever he plants us and then let him lead and guide so that when we do come to the end, we don't have to say it all was in vain. Absolutely not. Isn't that interesting how the word vain and vanity and self-centered and all of those things, that's Satan's, that's Satan's lie to get us off track. Now, you and Merlin, um, and then, of course, he, she, she then became the airline pilot's wife. And then when you reached a certain age and had to retire from the airline, now you are an executive uh, aviator for some big company in, in Ohio. And, uh, and always, always through that, you have a partner. Yes, every time I go fly, I fly for eight days, I'm home for six, and when I'm flying, I'm paired up with another pilot, and I find it a great opportunity to witness and challenge them. Uh, this week, I'm flying with, or a couple weeks ago, I flew with a pilot who professed to be a Christian, but obviously, if you talk to him, he really wasn't there. He really hadn't matured, and I was able to counsel him and give him advice and guidance, and I told him about this story with my son. You know Sherwood the Third. Yes, he was a troubled child for us. He's a, really, really, well, he's a preacher. He's a preacher he is, in California. But now. for several years, yeah. I prayed these scriptures over him. Okay. I said, "We pray that uh, we do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may f- be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That you, I'm praying this over my son, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, be- bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His gracious power." And in the dark days, I prayed scripture over my son, and God's word is true. It doesn't come back void. He's now a pastor. He's got his doctorate degree. He's getting his Ph.D. Really? And he's ministering oh. and reaching forward and sharing you know, God's love hey, with others. Hey, listen, I'm not all that impressed with that doctorate and Ph.D. <laughs> you know what? And I know we've got to get out of here. But Samuel Clemens, 
He was Mark Twain. He wrote under the name of Mark Twain. Samuel Clemens once said, I do not feel badly, and now I'm paraphrasing, my lack of schooling, because I never let it interfere with my education. There you go. <laughs> we are learners all through life, aren't we? That is true. And we apply one thing that God teaches us to the next thing that God offers us. So when I'm flying with these folks, God has given me an opportunity to share God's Word, His principles. I have story after story of people who God has yeah. blessed greatly through His Word as we just share it. Yeah. Let your light shine. Don't hide it under a bushel. You know, there's an old song. We're going to go off the air with this one. It's called To Be Used of God. Here it is. There's a yearning in my heart That cannot be denied It's a longing that has never yet Been satisfied I want the world to know The one who loves them so Like a flame is burning me chapter of the complete story. By the way, our listener comment line, what's our listener comment line? 1-800-345-2621. All right, now listen, folks, we want to hear from you. Give us give that number again, Ken. Sure, 1-800-345-2621. All right, this is Dick Bud with this chapter of the complete story. is a public service. I'll see you later.